0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. It's Eric Numchak here alongside Stephen Trinkwald, as always. Uh, Stephen, we are here to uh, talk about these games, these WNBA semifinals games. A couple of interesting series. Um, where do you want to start here?
1: Well, let's start with, I guess, the closer of the two games, uh, the yeah. game that you were at this afternoon, Sunday afternoon, uh, a Sky win in Chicago. Eric, how was the game?
0: It was amazing. It was a really good, it was, uh, the environment was awesome. You know, heading into the game, I was a little concerned that cause the bears also play at, they also played at noon, uh, local time. So I was a little concerned that the demographics would kind of overlap there and kind of take away from this guy's crowd, but that was not the case at all. It was maybe the loudest, um, at least towards the end of the game, the loudest that I've ever been that I've ever heard Winchester Arena be. So that was, that was really fun. And the game was awesome uh 86 to 83 i'm not just saying that because this guy won 86 to 83 the final a lot of lead changes a lot of drama especially down the stretch um it was playoff basketball pure and simple
1: yeah i mean it was it was a great game one that uh my beloved son came up short but that's okay it's still a lot of fun to talk about here where should we get started i mean there's a lot i think to dive into
0: there's a lot to dive into so i think we should say like just give a little bit of background for us heading into the series it was tied 1-1 obviously you had that uh, double overtime thriller, which was like legitimately one of the best games I've ever seen, uh, where, which this guy kind of eked out a victory there and the sun came back and, and took care of business at home in the, in the second game. So it was a pivotal, this is a pivotal game, I think uh, for Chicago in particular, because they essentially had home court advantage for the right. It's you, you shorten the series to, to best of three. And then once you, uh, once, once it's at one, one, so it was, this guy had home court advantage more or less. So it was it was essential I think that they came out to, you know, they got off to like a good start because for Connecticut there's a lot of stuff that happened in both game 1 and game 2 that I think neither of us expected as far as, you know, sustainability or, or players playing in playing over their heads or below their heads, is, is that a term? You know, like below what we expected them. Um so individually speaking, I don't know. Like we saw Dewana Bonner come back and have a good offensive game at least. John Cole Jones still not up to par Brianna Jones. Like there's a lot to get into here.
1: Yeah. I think the, the bigs matchup is probably the, the place to start here because obviously, you know, game two, despite Connecticut winning the game, um, was not really any kind of, you know, John Quill Jones MVP performance. She only had two points in that game. And you think, you know, this is kind of the, the bounce back, You know, the game where you kind of get that bounce back MVP performance after such a quiet game, her minutes were a little bit lower. She was, it was a lot of shorter spurts as well. You know, a lot of, uh, instead of kind of longer, stints with Jones in the game. Fatigue definitely seemed to be a factor in game two. And she played 36 minutes, you know, was a, a plus one. So they got out, outscored by four in the, the four minutes that she was out. But it just, it still wasn't kind of that same type of dominating performance. And I think it speaks to sort of a larger issue with this Sun team um, with, you know, they, they have their very, very defined strengths and weaknesses, and they haven't really been able to, you know, Chicago has been um, playing up to those sh- Sun strengths very well, particularly the glass, I think, where, you know, they, they you know, Chicago had 12 offensive rebounds today, and t- this is a Sun team you think kind of would dominate the glass. So for Connecticut to kind of not get these, the, the star performance and, and really just not kind of check the boxes you expect them to sort of check.
0: And that rebounding thing, that's, that's another big one. This is another game in which this guy actually out-rebounded the Sun. When we were previewing this, I was not high on the sky's chances for the rebounding in particular. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, John she Quill, had, she had 10 rebounds or whatever. But if, if you look up and down the Sky rebounding chart, seven offensive rebounds for Ezra Stevens. Granted, I think a few of those came off of uh, from her own misses. But even so, this is a, uh, a series in which I expected the Sun to really assert themselves on the glass. A very good rebounding team against not such a good rebounding team. And so far, that hasn't been the case at all. Chicago has just been the better team on the boards, and it's really served them.
1: And I think the thing is like even if Chicago is only a slightly worse t- team on the boards, like that is a massive win for Chicago. Yeah, so cool. for so for them to be the better team so far, like it, it like I was saying, like Connecticut has to so firmly have their strengths be strengths because what they are are not necessarily good at is is kind of so defined and we' we've, we've seen that over the course of the series, even if we got a little bit of a more efficient Dewanabon Bonner offensive game today, you know, just, efficient scoring from the one through three and that's even more pronounced with John Quell not being able to kind of get it going either their best player the last two games arguably have been has been Alyssa Thomas and that's a problem considering you know the limitations that come with her own game
0: yeah I I thought Alyssa Thomas played pretty well today but you know when you talk about the the lack of scoring efficient scoring from the perimeter I'll take that one step further and say the lack of playmaking from the perimeter you and I were we're, we're talking off air about this. How many good playmakers and good passers does a Sun team really have, particularly on the perimeter?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a low number, Not right? Many. I think, you know, I think Breon January can be considered an above average passing to guard. And then, you know, who else is really a plus passer for their position? I don't, I mean, Jonquil Jones, you know, credit to her. I think her passing has come a long way but even the stark differences between the impact, you know, Brittany Griner has made as in a passer in the other series and kind of what John Quill is giving you as a passer in this, you know, she's not the same type of, and John Quell is seeing a ton of, you know, pretty much every time she touches the ball, she's seeing multiple defenders and she's not that kind of back to the basket type dime you up from the low block passer. It is kind of more passing from the face up game. So yeah, just to, to kind of build off your overall point, there's, there's not a ton of, you know, value-added passers. You know, obviously, Alyssa Thomas is a plus as a four as a passer, but, you know, she's going to give you some turnovers as well, and, you know, she's, she's a bench player for this team.
0: I want to talk about that, uh, a point you made about the double teams because I think one thing that has really stood out to me in this series is the level of defensive activity for Chicago. They came out in this series playing pick and rolls very aggressively, like no matter the personnel on the floor. They were hedging a ton, and they've been able to more or less sustain that defensive strategy. You know, towards the end of game two, they're kind of getting worn down, and I think maybe fatigue kind of set in there, uh, and they had to get away from it. But for most of this game, for most of the series, rather, they've been able to play aggressively on the pick and roll and not get burned too badly. Normally, like typically speaking, I'm not a big fan of hedging, but when the opposing guards just don't have much downhill scoring or downhill capability uh playmaking capability you can get away with that like and it's not like we're just seeing you know candace parker such a versatile defender hedging the pick and roll we're seeing like stephanie Dolson hedge the pick and roll and get away with it so that to me speaks one to the ability of one one to the level of which defense chicago is playing because i think they've played pretty good defense in this series um but also how limited connecticut is just in playmaking would you agree with that
1: i would yeah and that Uh, That was something I was talking to uh, Peter Kilkelly uh, from Five Out Basketball the other day. You know, he had mentioned maybe Chicago playing more of a a drop coverage in the pick and roll, but, you know, that's not really going to force the turnovers. And this is a very turnover prone team, particularly from the. Uh, from the backcourt, you know, Jasmine Thomas only had a couple today, but, you know, she'll definitely throw the ball. <laughs> you, uh, we were texting about this whole kind of perimeter group for Connecticut, just throwing the ball out of bounds over and over again over the course of the series. You know, Bonner will definitely give you some turnovers. January had four today. And, you know, between that and sort of the lack of jump shot versatility, right? It's, it's really if these guards are going to give you scoring, it's really wide open standstill Potals, shots. Yeah. yeah. And, and not even kind of, you know, contested tight window spot ups like they, they've got to be really clean, open looks. And we saw between January and Thomas three or four, you know, January definitely had two. I know Thomas, I think, had one other one turning a great look into a good look because they're a little bit hesitant letting it fly from the perimeter. So all these confounding factors. And the other thing that is worth noting is that, you know, there's there's just no alignment where Jonquo Jones is playing with a spaced floor. You know, she she did all of her damage in the restricted area today. Didn't take uh, a three, but she's this team's best three point shooter. But she you just you don't have um, any way really, at least kind of in realistic lineups that Kurt Miller is going to play. You know, it's either the option is Alyssa Thomas at the four or Brianna Jones at the five, and you know both of those players are pretty paint bound. And you know you're just you're gonna put the defense in the uh, the position to kind of send double teams at Jones and make things extremely tough for her.
0: And I, I feel like in this, in this series when, when the double teams have come at John Cole Jones, I apologize for the dogs barking in the background. Sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. Um, they have been able to almost, you know, help, uh, help the helper. Uh, I, I saw there at least a couple plays today in which uh, turnovers came from double teams sent at, either John Quell or brianna jones whereas like this guy they they knew they were going to get the turnover there because like they just they just uh sent sent another defender down to take away the dump off pass and and to get the turnover so um yeah the lack of offensive versatility is i think really hurting the sun in this series let's talk about brianna jones for a second because she didn't even she played 19 minutes in this game um not much of an impact after a very very strong game one I mean, what, what did you think
1: about those 19 minutes? You know, the minutes aside, when she was out there as someone who's actively rooting for the other team, like, how were you feeling about Brianna Jones as an impact
0: player? I felt like the Sky did a much better job of just taking away her opportunities. I think the weakness in Brianna Jones' game, as for right now, is speeding her up and forcing her to make decisions with the basketball. You know, in, in Game 1, when she had that, that monster effort, she was getting a lot of one-on-one situations in the post— even against great defenders, like like she made uh, an elite defender in Candace Parker look silly on on several possessions. After that, this guy made the adjustment where they I think they brought help a lot sooner, and they were just able to scramble their defenders and and, and create havoc down there in the paint. Because like you like you've been alluding to, it's not like Brianna Jones has been able to kick it out to a lot of wide open three point shooters either. So I think her effectiveness is just really limited when you can, uh, when you can double down. Podcast name, right? Uh, when you can double hey. down, on, yeah. When you can double down on Brianna Jones and you know force her to give up the basketball because she's not going to be an elite, She's not going to be dissecting a defense like a like a Brittany Griner type um, or anything like that. And they've been able to keep her off the boards too. I mean, zero offensive rebounds in 19 minutes. So again, going back to the job this guy have done on the boards, kind of independent of their of their defense and their offense. If she's not making an impact on the boards and she's giving up the basketball, what else is she doing for you?
1: Yeah, and it feels like the Sun team as a whole, they don't have that same kind of, I think one thing that sort of uh, transformed Brianna Jones as an impact defensive player was her ability to really play kind of the, uh, the hedge pick and roll, use her really great hands defensively to kind of disrupt and get back. And Connecticut has kind of gone away from that a little bit. They're, they're kind of mixing up their pick and roll coverage looks a little bit more. They're playing more of a kind of conventional drop coverage in a lot of ways. I, I'm not sure how you feel about that, Eric. Probably, you know, licking your chops as someone with Courtney Van Der and Allie Quigley on your team. Yeah. Um, I, I don't necessarily understand kind of the, the thinking there. Um, but, you know, it just goes to kind of build to the point where Jones is, is not really able, Brianna Jones is not really able to kind of have that same effectiveness You know, if she's not doing the things that kind of made her great and she's not able to kind of see single coverage, you know, she's not going to, like you're saying, she had three turnovers and one assist tonight, like she, or this afternoon, I should say. And she didn't have, I thought, all that great of it. I mean, she kind of got it going in the third quarter a little bit. She she was able to, but all that was sort of like as a play finisher, right? That wasn't really her, you know getting the ball in the block and kind of taking it to, to Candace Parker or Azura Stevens. And, you know, I thought a lot of times on the other end, you know, Stevens got the better of her. Uh, you know, Stevens was able to post her up a couple of times. We mentioned how active she was in the glass. Uh, Stevens was able to, I mean, Stevens hit six shots in this game. She hit that one three and then the other five were right in the restricted area. So, I mean, she didn't have a great shooting game from the field, but a lot of that was, you know, cleaning up her own rebounds, like you said. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I didn't really expect it to be the case, but I, I just think the Alyssa Thomas-Jonquell Jones front court pairing gives you a little bit of a better chance on both ends in this series.
0: I think I agree with that because Alyssa Thomas, um, Candace Parker was her, her primary assignment in this game, and she held her own. You know, there, there, are, there are a couple of plays where Thomas did not get the better of that matchup, but uh, she had that floater game going, the right-handed floater. Cause in case you didn't know, she's playing with uh, two torn labrums in her shoulders right now. So, Wait, what? Yeah, I know it's it's shocking, right? Um, so it's imperative that she that she hits that little floater uh outside of the painted area or in the paint. Um, I but, mean, and she, she all, hit that
1: pretty deep one too, from maybe like sixteen really deep, or so feet. Yeah,
0: like they weren't even like there. Candice was after the ball. Candice was like after it went in, she was like, all right, whatever. Um, you're obviously gonna give her that shot, but even that is, is almost more of a an outside game than, than Breonna Jones has. And plus with Alyssa Thomas, you get more of the, the, the defensive versatility and the open court playmaking, which uh, we've talked about extensively on this podcast. So moving forward, which d- would you rather see the Sun? Obviously, you know Alyssa Thomas just got back from uh, having her Achilles repaired. So I don't know if she's still on a minute slip restriction or, or whatever. So you're probably not going to see her in the starting lineup but do you think she should be playing the majority of minutes over Brianna Jones moving forward?
1: I mean, if if Connecticut is going to play this kind of wish, wishy-wash defensive scheme where they're not really kind of committing to the things that made them great all year, then yeah, probably. Um, and if Brianna Jones isn't going to be a value add on the boards, you know, uh, a lot of kind of what Connecticut was able to do on, on the offensive rebound and, and even just kind of not, Connecticut not being a great offensive rebounding team in their own right you know Chicago holding their own on the defensive glass their own defensive glass you know if Jones isn't bringing you those things then Thomas what what she does bring you I thought You know, game one for Alyssa Thomas was rough defensively. Like she, she did not play well defensively. I thought she was involved in a lot of their miscommunications. But it's been pretty cleaned up since then, with with her involved specifically. Um, You know, Connecticut definitely had their own defensive issues today. But um, the sort of uh, lost element of kind of what what they want to do, I thought it was pretty rough for Thomas in game one. And those things have kind of cleaned up. You know, you do worry about the like. I was thinking towards the end of the game. um, I forget exactly the the time and score, but you know, that Chicago should just intentionally follow Alyssa Thomas and and take your chances that she's going to miss both free throws. So you always have that element, I guess. But, I mean, you know, you're asking the wrong guy, right? I'm Alyssa Thomas Stan through and through. (laughs) So I think maybe I'm wearing Alyssa Thomas colored glasses here. But I do think, you know, she, she provides just a little bit more athleticism, which I think this team desperately needs against Chicago. Like they have the athleticism disadvantage at, I mean, almost every matchup, right?
0: Yeah, and this is a good segue into um, talking about the sky, uh, Kelly Copper in particular. What a game from her. Uh, But yeah, generally speaking, I I agree with you. Um, Chicago is going to out athlete almost any other team in the WNBA, I think. Um, But yeah, purely because of like Copper and the Shields. Uh, But yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's it's interesting because you look at the points off of turnovers today Connecticut 23, Chicago 8. Although that status is kind of. There are a couple of reasons why I don't like that stat, but fast, because like fast break points, Chicago 10, Connecticut 2. And that's, that that, that tells a, a lot of the story there. So yeah, getting back to Kalia Copper, um, 26 points. She was the the player of the game at WinTrust Arena, if, in, in case anyone cares. uh, The Sun have a lot of good defenders on their roster, and I don't think a single one of them could really do anything with Copper today.
1: I mean, Dewana Bonner has nothing for Kalea Copper in this series. She Bonner had a nice offensive game in her own right, you know, her first of the series, but she, she just has nothing for Copper, especially if Copper is going to, over the course of these first three games she's hit 35 percent of her threes three, so if she's you know an adequate three point shooter you know, she's she's going to get to the cup and she's going to finish i would venture to guess i didn't i didn't kind of look at all of her points again before recording but i would venture to guess she had probably eight of those chicago <laughs> 10 fast break points you know i can remember probably. at least six of them off the top of my head if she didn't have all 10 but yeah she she was awesome i would be remiss if i didn't mention that this is the second straight semi-finals right where Dawana Bonner, Connecticut's super max small forward, has been outplayed by her small forward counterpart on the other team, and, and Copper's been awesome, you know, ready to, to get a max in her own right in the offseason here, but I mean, do, would you say Copper was their best player? I mean, I thought Quigley was amazing tonight, not only shooting,
0: incredible.
1: shooting the ball, but I mean, as a screener, I thought she had a great game as well. I mean, you know, it's just different roles, right? But th- those two players, you know, Connecticut just had no answers.
0: Yeah, uh, Quigley in particular, I think it was the timeliness of those shots because I think at least two of those three-pointers were in direct answer to a, a Connecticut-made basket. So just uh, just just being clutch and coming off this. Week. You know, by the way, heading into this series we were really stoked to see this L.A. Quigley versus Brian January matchup. I don't know if this is a homer opinion, but I think Quigley has decidedly won that matchup, at least thus far. Um, January, obviously an elite off-ball defender, but there are so many situations in, w- in which Quigley has still been able to get open and, and, and draw fouls on January in, in, in several instances.
1: I would say it's probably, you know, in line with the series. Like I think January w- did perfectly fine in game two um, and then just, you know, could not hang tonight and, and Quigley got the better of game one. And even outside of Quigley's own production, um, you know, all the, the back screens that led to layups by Ali Quigley, you know, I don't know if it's a Brian January thing or a John Quo Jones thing, but Azra Stevens and Candace Parker just getting no one around layups uh, from Allie Quigley back screens, you know, that, that speaks to something. It's not just her own points that she's generating out there.
0: That's a great point. Um, especially Cause when you talk about like off ball movement, to me, Ellie Quigley is the best in the league at moving without the basketball. If she's not the best in the league, she's certainly way, way up there. Um, it is and, and such off ball movement, whether she's screening or she's coming off those screens it forces the defenses to constantly have to communicate. Um, it, it puts them in bad spots sometimes. You know, if if you're running all these different actions for La Quigley, um, she played 36 minutes in this game. Brianna January did have a decent offensive performance. You know, she hit three out of four three pointers. She had four assists uh, up against four turnovers, though. Um, two Breanne... two
1: major major record
0: scratches as well. Yeah, we can get to that in a second. But my my, my point the point I was going to make was. If Brian January is playing 33 minutes, Ali Quigley is playing 33 minutes. We've seen James Wade bench Quigley down the stretch in so many games just for defensive purposes to put a little bit more length out there with Diamond Shields. That's not a concern in this series because Connecticut has Brian January, who is going to put virtually no pressure on the rim at all and is, as you said, a hesitant outside, outside shooter. I remember when that wasn't the case in her days in Indiana. But on this team, she's a hesitant outside shooter. So you can let Quigley, you know, uh, go at her or or hide Quigley on Brienne January because you know they're not going to go to her. And the more minutes Quigley plays, as you said, the more minutes she's going to be causing havoc on the defensive end with her off-ball movement, the better looks the Chicago's going to get off the basket. It's not just Quigley's individual scoring. As you like to say, it's her her off-ball gravity.
1: Yeah, and just re- with regards to kind of that offense defense thing, like as someone who roots for the Connecticut Sun, like I'm licking my chops anytime Diamond Shields is in the game. Like that is a win for Connecticut. Those you it, know, it plays
0: right into their hands.
1: Yeah, those those eleven minutes, uh, and it was a tough one for for Diamond. But Quigley is, you know Copper too for sure. But those two are are such the the matchup advantage. I mean, you know they also don't have any answer for Courtney Vandersloot. So maybe it's uh, just a huge perimeter advantage altogether for the Chicago sky, especially, I mean, that that's the reason why on the Connecticut end, you can't go to a Jasmine Thomas, Natisha Heideman backcourt to give you a little bit more offense. At least that's the concern is because, you know, that moves Thomas over to Quigley, which I think is, is fine if not Thomas's ideal role. Um, but Heideman just has nothing for VanderSloot. I thought um,
0: Heideman was not good today.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. She had a rough scoring game, but she does just kind of open things up a little bit. I mean, she's such a worse passer than Breon January. Uh, you know, January, I think even if she's not stuffing the assist charts, you know, she's making the pass before the pass a lot of times and, and the connectivity offensively can be improved there. But for Heideman to just, I mean, Heideman took four threes in 13 minutes and January took four threes in 33 minutes like that the the three points per thirty six minutes numbers that Heideman's giving you as opposed to January is kind of why you might go there because that's something that this team desperately needs is just a someone who will just fire away, and can give you you know decent
0: percentages. That's true. That's a good point. And, and one of those threes, the, the one that she hit, I believe, was up against Stephanie Dolson on the switch. Um If Brian yeah, January gets Stephanie Dolson on a switch, it's like, whatever, you know. Uh, but Heideman, yeah, she that that is a good point. She does bring elements to, uh, to the game that other Sun guards just don't. Um, and what do you think about this? She played 13 minutes. Kyla Charles played 13 minutes. What do you think of this minute situation? Because you figured Kurt Miller wasn't going to go deep into his benches series, but in this game, it was actually James Wade who put his starters in for heavier minutes.
1: Yeah. And credit to Wade, because I think that was a, a great decision. You know, only four and a half minutes for a stew, you know, three minutes for Lexi Brown, you know, the one, player that I think maybe, I, I know she's had two really tough games, but I think Steph Dolson could probably give you a little bit more. Yeah, and I, agree. I mean, we saw Azra Stevens season high in minutes played, you know, with five and a half minutes left to go in this game and she closed out the game. So we, we were way beyond her season high in minutes played in a regulation game. Um, So maybe, you know, you know, granted they have two, two days rest now, so maybe it isn't an issue, but I think Dolson could probably play a little bit more. But you know, for Diamond to only play eleven minutes and and all of these starters, you know, Candice Parker was the low starter with 31 minutes. And, you know, that that's what it's gonna take, I think, for um amazingly enough for Chicago to win this series is because Connecticut's bench has just been better. But to answer your question, like I I Kyla Charles playing 13 minutes in a vacuum, you know, probably a little high. Natisha Heideman playing 13 minutes, you know, whatever. But the the Heideman Charles minutes together with no jasmine thomas and no brian january that's where i think this team can kind of get itself in Whoa, trouble
0: passing.
1: yeah the, i mean I, there was a lineup at one point where it was heideman january charles Alyssa thomas brianna jones what what is that lineup supposed to do like what how did the, how does that lineup score best case scenario i, uh, I ha-
0: it, it, it kind of gives chicago an out doesn't it
1: yeah, it's a couple minutes where, you know, Chicago just doesn't really have to panic about any one thing uh defensively. So,
0: and I thought Charles did play pretty well today. Um she got a couple offensive rebounds, uh 5 in total. Didn't really get destroyed out there, but you're right. She's it's it's just a, a player who you don't really need to keep tabs on outside of the perimeter. As if Connecticut doesn't have enough of those already in its starting lineup. So it's it's kind of just make, making it, d- digging deeper into the hole that they've already that they already have. Uh but yeah, going back to the minutes for Chicago, only one player off the bench in, in double-figure minutes that's Simon and Shields. It's interesting, heading into the series, Wade was really high on the on his bench depth, particularly in the front, in the front court. Four minutes for Stu Dufall, I don't think she played at all in the second half. None for Ruthie Hebert. Eight for Stephanie Dolson, who at least is going to have some sort of role, but you're right. I mean, Candace Parker played a ton of minutes, Stevens even more, uh, and that's, you're right. I think that that is what it's going to take. And and
1: one, one adjustment from Wade that I liked, you know, the uh the 90 seconds that Lexi Brown played in the second half were accompanied by Candace Parker, as opposed yeah. to the 90 seconds she played in the first half where Parker was on the bench. So it, it just gives you a little bit of an, an extra kind of release valve for when things get a little bit tight. You know, Lexi Brown, I think she's a really good wing who kind of keeps getting shoehorned as a point guard. So to have Parker out there for that little bit of extra passing, I think probably helps.
0: I agree. And, and by the way, I, I do like going with Lexi Brown over Diana Evans in this matchup because Evans is just going to have a, very difficult time against the defense of the, uh, the Connecticut backcourt, but, um, okay. Anything else you want to hit on here?
1: I mean, how are you feeling?
0: Uh, you know, I, I feel like I owe my team a little bit of an apology because uh, I wasn't really high in their chances heading into the series, but I think, I think James Wade has had a, had a terrific series making adjustments. Um, I think this guy had a much better than expected series, nullifying Connecticut's strengths, particularly on the boards. And they've got a chance to close this out in advance of the finals on Wednesday night. And I can't say I, I saw that coming. So kudos to this guy. They are uh, they're playing their butts off at the, at the best time of the year. You know, taking that momentum over from the uh, the first the first and second round victories over Dallas and Minnesota. And they haven't really like one other thing. Like in this game in particular, they were down. I want to say what Connecticut have like an eight point lead early in the fourth, something like that. That, seven or eight, yeah seven or eight. that was a game that that's a situation in which earlier in the season the sky would have just let go of the rope completely especially against a team like this but they didn't i don't know if that's because you know uh, wade played his starters really heavy minutes like courtney we've got under three minutes of rest and that's that's just going to happen in the playoffs but they didn't you know, the resiliency just is there for this team and i don't want to get into too many intangibles or or other homer words but um I'm really impressed with how the team has been playing, and uh, as a fan, I I can't wait for Wednesday night.
1: I mean, we'd be remiss if we did not mention the play of the game. Connecticut down one, Ugh. they force a steal on the inbounds after using their foul to give. And Breon January, I I think she lets it go as there's ten seconds remaining, a chance to go up one, and you know there's no one around, and and she goes for the reverse. I think trying not to uh to get that shot blocked but you know no one was even in the same neighborhood uh and that's one where you just that that's a series changing <laughs> layup right there and uh, you know I think that really just kind of speaks to what this series is right like Chicago their their bigs are hanging with Connecticut's bigs and Chicago has guards that can score and Connecticut doesn't have guards that can score and you know that's why you kind of have to feel good about Chicago in the rest of this series right
0: that's a good point, and and I'll and I agree with you that it's it kind of uh, encapsulates the entire series at one play. But I'll take it in a different direction. This um, guy want to play chaotic. They want to play chaotic basketball. They want to speed Connecticut up. They want to get into a running game with Connecticut. Today's game, for as close as it was and for exciting as it was, it wasn't the cleanest game. There are several sequences in which there are like turnovers going both ways. If that continues, I think Chicago is in a good spot. Because they at least have the athleticism and the legs to take advantage of that sort of thing. Whereas Connecticut, they cannot afford to have that many live ball turnovers. And that was a concern for you, I believe, heading into the series, right?
1: Yeah, and they can't capitalize really on live ball turnovers the other way, um, as we've seen several times in this series. Uh, But let's move on to the other series. Phoenix, a second straight just dominating performance according to across the timeline they become the first team to win back to back WNBA playoff games by 26 points or more eric you know before we kind of dive into it your level of you know surprisedness on phoenix being up 2-1 and a pair of dominating wins being those two
0: my surprise at phoenix being up 2-1 not at all i'm actually i was actually pretty high on phoenix uh, heading into the playoffs just because we said it so many times of of their high level talent um, they they've been playing killer basketball for months now. And I think they, when, when you look at players, their top players, one through three, they can hang with the Vegas top three players and not many other teams can do that. Um, now the manner of these victories. Yeah. I'm surprised. I, I don't think anybody is, I don't think there's anybody who's like not surprised or what do I want to say. Everyone's surprised. Everyone's surprised. Yeah. That's, that's uh,
1: yeah, we, everybody. we both. Liked Phoenix's, you know, whatever this term means, their championship upside a little bit more than Minnesota's, a little bit more than Chicago's, you know, all those kind of secondary contenders, at least who are viewed as secondary contenders coming into the playoffs here. But for them to hold Vegas to a 72 offensive rating today and to score in these last two games, 123.6 offensive rating against uh, the second best defense in the league, I mean where should we start? You know, is it Vegas offense and their kind of inability to really generate any kind of good looks or the ability, inability to just stop whatever Phoenix wants to do?
0: I mean, I think when you, when you look at Phoenix, there's going to be a game or two in a, in, in a five game series in which they're just hitting everything. And that was game two in which they scored over a hundred, well over a hundred points. So it's like, whatever you shoot, they, they shoot 60% from the field. They've got three elite offensive players. It happens, but this game three in particular, I mean, I think it was it was a little bit of both, right? Vegas shot thirty point nine percent from the field, and they were down like by twenty for basically the entire second half. So yeah, they were not able to manufacture consistent offense. Um, shout out to Brianna Turner, by the way, amazing game on both ends of the floor. Uh, but on a macro level, I mean, gosh, Phoenix only had, you know, Tarazzi three for nine, Diggin Smith two for twelve. Brittany Griner had another incredible game. I think she's playing like the best player in the world right now. But when you have two of the so-called big three having an off night offensively, and they're still putting up a performance like this, hmm, that's cause for concern for the other team.
1: I want to say it was, and you were obviously at the game, so you wouldn't know, but I want to say it was Lechina Robinson during the first game who said that Brittany Griner is the best player remaining in the playoffs. And I was like, well, she's... But, I mean, there's no denying that she's certainly playing like it, right? She's been the best player in this series. There's no doubt about it. Uh, And then the MVP of the league is obviously having you know, her own troubles in the other series. So, you know, you, you can't really deny it. But you mentioned Brianna Turner. That's where we got to start, I think. Uh, 23 points on 17 shooting possessions, which is the 17 shooting possessions is an insane number for Brianna Turner. Um, a ton of plays finished as a lob threat, which I think is just an awesome element. You know, Turner... One of the few—I mean, you—you you want to throw it up there so she doesn't have the chance to kind of bring it down, and, and that's when she might get into trouble. But one of the few players that actually has the hands and the length and athleticism to kind of finish those lob plays. Uh, but 17 rebounds, 10 on the defensive glass, seven on the offensive glass, and then of course held Asia Wilson—not entirely by herself, but largely as the primary defender—to eight points on 17 shooting possessions just a monster monster game for Brianna Turner
0: yeah uh, what's that you always say about length being the biggest problem for Asia Wilson um Brianna Turner is a complete package on defense she's got the length she's got the athleticism she's getting more and more disciplined on that end of the floor and then offensively I mean wow like you said 23 points on, on on 17 shooting possessions that's that's abnormal for Bree Turner but it does kind of speak to, just how badly the Aces got beaten in this game. But it it also speaks
1: to this team kind of finding finding the seams, right? Because that's That's not Turner just, you know, putting her back to basket and going against her defender that all plays finished all plays finished all plays that are you know either a couple broken plays here or there you know obviously seven offensive rebounds so she's made some things happen but you know running out in transition I love this Phoenix team when they play fast which I think they did a little bit more of in the first half and this was a dominating performance with Skylar Diggins Smith you know two for 12 from the field she was she had five points and was a plus 28 but she i thought had a really great game as a passer and a lot of that was to brianna turner uh and those two had great chemistry griner and turner are starting to really at least against this team develop their chemistry and i was really worried that that element because of how um vegas plays and and their defense is so sort of paint focused and rim focused and not allowing threes but you know this this Phoenix team just sort of shapes the defense in a way that no other team really can because of their their dynamic guards and then their center that demands two defenders at all times.
0: And here's the thing about that. Uh, you can send two defenders at Brittany Griner. You can send four defenders at Brittany Griner. She's going to see over all of them.
1: So it, It's really got to be like the one that we saw from Hamby where... You know, it was right as she kind of came in. Those have to be extremely well timed doubles. Um and you know, the other thing, Eric, is that, you know, Grinder nine of ten from non paint twos these last two games. Like her jump yeah. shot is just automatic at this point.
0: Yeah, when she's hitting that, that jump that jumper and she's passing out of the double team, like just totally dissecting these these defenses, um, you're not winning. You're not winning the basketball game. Uh, but also, like you said, the, the dynamic guards. Um, I mentioned that Dickensmith and Taurasi struggled with their shooting, but they combined for 15 assists to two turnovers. That's extremely efficient playmaking there. Um, so, yeah, when you have that going for you and you have, right now, the best player in the world, in my opinion, Brittany Griner, uh, Phoenix is going to be hard to beat. But going back to Las Vegas, like, what what happened what, I mean, I asked it kind of rhetorically, but, you know, also, like you said, I was, I totally missed the first three quarters. Um, what what happened in this game?
1: Well, I mean, I think the, the part that surprised or has surprised me, I guess, about this series so far is just how much of this Vegas team's offense is predicated on how well their guards can score. And today... Yeah their guards were not able to score, you know, a combined four for 19 from Kelsey Plum and Chelsea Gray. And, you know, you're, you're going to get some of these games from Chelsea Gray, right? When you get all of your looks essentially as non-paint twos, she took one shot in the paint today. She took one, three aside from a heave and she was two for six on non-paint twos. So like when you live from that area of the court, you're just going to have some poor shooting games but Kelsey Plum, you know, 0 for 4 from three. I thought Shea Petty, you know, this was also just, and it kind of feeds into it a little bit with Turner, but this was like, you know, the others game for Phoenix today where the, the their non-big three players really stepped up in a major way. And Shea Petty definitely is a, a huge part of that. You know, she she hit three layups in this game, which might be a career high, honestly. <laughs> um, and I thought she played really great defense on Kelsey Plum as well.
0: Eight rebounds too. That's that's interesting. Um but what was it? Uh, they they quoted Dinah Tarazzi as saying the big the, like the big three doesn't matter if, if if the little seven don't also play well or something like that. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, even with Sophie Cunningham, uh, she she got injured, right? I didn't see it, but I, I saw that. Uh, she,
1: she did. She him. she strained her calf, so we'll okay. see about her availability. I think. I mean, three two days from now, that seems like a pretty quick turnaround. But hopefully, she's ready to go. I guess.
0: But yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. Shea Petty, really, really good minutes. Uh, may have been. Just like the, as far as the floor game, at least from what I saw, some of the best basketball she's played all season. Uh, and then you know, Kia Vaughn got in there, and that, that's when you when you put like all your bench in, it's it's just don't lose the lead, right? For the most part, they didn't. Vegas scored eight points in the fourth quarter, Steven.
1: Yeah, this this offense was you know it it was not uh, a good showing for them, and they. Phoenix, I I just never ever imagined they'd be able to defend Vegas in this way to hold them to you know a 71 offensive rating, a sub 90 offensive rating over two games. I I wouldn't have ima- met like I thought you know sure Vegas has a chance to win this series, but. Because both of these teams are going to play offense at just an elite level. And Phoenix will play at a little bit more of an elite level. You know what I mean? Like, I never expected Phoenix to dominate the boards like this. I never expected that their bench to be able to play at this level. It's just uh, a very, very surprising performance, even for a team that I was pretty high on.
0: So, looking at the rebounds today, 58 to 29. Of course, you're going to have a lot of rebounding opportunities when the other team can't hit water from a boat. But, I mean... The enormous disparity in defensive rebounding. I don't think we, at least I, wasn't expecting that.
1: Yeah, for for this Vegas team to just not really even be a factor on the offensive glass at all. I mean, an, another area where you just got to give Turner and Griner and even you know Kia Nurse had some great box outs on Asia Wilson. You know, you just got to give these players uh, immense credit in areas that were perceived weaknesses, right? You don't think of Phoenix as a, a rebounding powerhouse for sure
0: another thing that I think, um, amplifies Phoenix's performances, let's talk about the free throw rate, because that's something that, that I focused on when we were looking at, uh, when we were looking at this series, uh, both teams tops in the WNBA in both free throw rate and opponents free throw rate. Vegas has more or less controlled that area of the game, right?
1: Yeah. They've, they've gotten to where, you know, they, they need to be right. For, for this game, they had a 32% uh, thirty-two and a half percent free throw attempt rate. So essentially, fifteen percent of their shooting possessions, for the series, about fifteen percent of their shooting possessions, Phoenix did not really get to the line all that effectively in this game. Um, so I mean, you're in that area, you know, as much as uh head coaches may want to <laughs> politic in the no media. No names mentioned, right? Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, um, no, but you know, Asia Wilson got to the line six times today. And, and, uh, Brianna Turner also got to the line six times. Like that's kind of an abnor abnormality. You don't really expect that, but yeah, I, I you know, for the series, you, if you kind of take a step back and look at it statistically, like you can't really be too upset. I mean, obviously like Asia Wilson had that one monster block, uh, on Brianna Turner that absolutely should not have been called a foul. And then she got a t uh, technical fall on it as well. But, you know, outside of that, one really kind of obvious miss like i don't really think vegas is getting hosed in any way they're they're playing the way they play and they're getting to the line a ton and the other team's not getting to the line as much as they are which is extremely typical for this vegas team
0: i got news for you if if, if the opponent has an effective field goal percentage of over 70 percent for the game the referees did not lose you that game um but i digress yes phoenix is playing incredible basketball right now what can the aces do to right this ship because remember you probably remember last year, they were also in this position. They were down in the semifinals 2-1 to one against your son. Uh, different scenario, though, because they, they got their backs against the wall right now. And from the last two performances, Phoenix has all the momentum right now. What can be said other than just play better offense?
1: Yeah, I mean, their, their guards are going to play better. I think you could probably do some, some more you know, high pick and roll to kind of get those players with uh, Brittany Griner involved in that action a little bit more with Kia Vaughn involved in that action a little bit more. Um, You know, I I didn't pay, I guess, super close attention to kind of the the nitty gritty of the rotations. I I don't know how much, you know, who's kind of on the court for Vegas with when like Kia Vaughn and and stuff like that are out there. But I mean, Vegas isn't really playing any abnormal lineups you know they're kind of going with their three guard lineup and then they're they're playing Jackie Young some so I mean outside of players playing better you know I I guess I just have to kind of dive into it a little bit more from a film perspective I I, I'm almost out of ideas other than you you just kind of have to trust your players to to do a little bit better and then you know you need a, a star performance from your MVP uh these these last or this last game specifically is just you know not enough obviously
0: yeah, and uh, w- one thing I want to say about about this in particular, I don't think there's any one player on the Aces that really, really needs to step it up, because if you lose by twenty seven points, it's not one player's fault. Uh, just like if you win by twenty seven points, it's not one player carrying you to that victory. But I mean, you look up and down these these numbers, it's just ugly. And a team for a team that has this much playmaking in its backcourt, uh, like they've been totally shut down. Defensively,
1: I mean, so. m- maybe these days are just past. But you know, Chelsea Gray should get her body yeah. into the paint offensively. There's no reason why the majority of her shots against a Skylar Diggins Smith or a Diana Taurasi are coming, you know, from 20 feet and you know, kind of settling for the worst shots. You know, over the course of the regular season, I, I get it. But you have a matchup advantage where you can really kind of assert yourself physically, and you know, she's just not been able to do it so far.
0: Do you think Kelsey Plum should be playing more? I mean, she played 32 minutes today to Raquan and Williams 21. But I don't know. If, if Williams, because Williams isn't really a playmaker, at least not for others, Plum is. Would you kind of maybe look to jumpstart the offense a little bit there? I, I don't know.
1: I, I I would not be opposed to that. I would consider starting Plum. I don't know if it would be for Williams or for Jackie. Maybe over Jackie Young, though. Yeah, Jackie Young, you know, she's been, she's hit her shots effectively, but it's still. You know, not a lot of defensive attention going that way. You know what I mean? So and,
0: we always say it's not floor spacing if they're ignoring you.
1: Exactly. And she's able to kind of, you know, get two dribbles and a pull-up, and, and she's hitting it at a pretty good rate. But, you know, Raquana Williams, uh, defenses are not forgetting Raquana Williams is out there.
0: Okay. All right. Good point. Uh, anything else for this series?
1: Um, I mean, I still, I'm not, I mean, even though they are just like gigantic blowouts, I'm not really too panicked for Vegas, um, you know, I, I guess you feel better at being down 2-1 if they're close losses, but, you know, I, I still think they have the better team, um, you know, a little bit just more kind of disciplined doubles, you know, maybe maybe you're just not sending kind of the no chance doubles at Brittany Griner anymore, um, the ones where you're just kind of making her, you know, let someone else beat you type thing. But you know they also just don't have the players to guard her one on one. So I don't know. Uh, it, they they, it's it's tough when the other team so far has the best player in the series by a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. So I think that's gonna do it for us. Looking forward, both game fours on uh, on Wednesday, Chicago and Connecticut obviously being first at eight p.m. Eastern. Aces and the Mercury at ten p.m. Eastern. What do you think? Are the are these series going five or, or what?
1: Uh, I'm thinking. I mean, both teams definitely could, you know, bring it back home. I like Vegas's chances to do it a little bit more. I th- I think they both probably end up coming back, and you know, we when all's said and done, we're looking at a Sky Aces finals.
0: Okay. All right. So that is the official Stephen uh prediction.
1: What do you think, Eric? I can't go if you don't go.
0: Oh, I, I was gonna I was going to um refuse myself from making a prediction, but I'm going with Sky versus Mercury. I'm not sure if the Aces can come back from this.
1: I, I mean it's been a, a convincing couple games so but i've been don't wrong don't on this
0: podcast many many times especially recent recently so i mean it's the playoffs man? like it's you you're, you're seeing these these nail-biter games between the sun and the sky versus these not very close games in the aces and the mercury so i don't know we'll, we'll see what happens but yeah really really stoked about that but yeah i think that's gonna do it for us
1: okay thank you all so much for listening please 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 uh it would mean a lot to us if you supported the show by subscribing rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcasts and then if you want to follow us on social media you also can at double down WNBA. Uh, you can follow eric at nemchok e and then myself at trinkwald and we'll talk to you next week
0: see you later everybody